Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And now it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jacob Ben, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Jake, ben. you seem chipper this morning. Oh, Sounds like things are going well. Oh, I'm just in a terrific mood. Uh, I'm upbeat, well slept. We're happy to have you. It's Friday. Yeah, it is Friday. Got back-to-back games for the back Jazz. Back. Yeah, I mean, you're working tonight and tomorrow. Got to talk Short about... Short weekend, you got a Sunday off. Got to talk about a game. Uh... That is more challenging to make interesting, although yeah. I do think it is interesting in a variety of ways. But, you know, the Jazz are a little shorthanded tonight up there in Toronto, so we'll get into that. Got some football. Thought Ryan Smith was interesting this morning with uh, with DJ and PK. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we got a lot on the horizon. How are you doing? You doing all right over Perfect. There? You good? Fixed the blinker in my car that hey. I talked about for a long time yesterday. How long did it take you? Longer than expected. Uh, it kept popping off and then falling into the actual light. You know, there's the bowl, oh, no. and it kept falling into the actual like glass part, the big plastic yeah. part that is your light. And that was difficult to fish those out because you only have about you know a mouse hole size to try and get your tool in there to pull the thing out. But luckily, I had one of those like looks like an antenna, but it has a magnet on the end, and I was able to fish that in there and pull the lights out. And then I finally got it working. So life is good. Uh, life is good. Yeah. If I left blinker, everyone knows where I'm going. I feel great. I feel safe when I'm on the roads. I, uh, you and I both had projects yesterday. Uh, we're, we're getting uh, we're getting new closets. Oh, that's exciting! Um, yeah, like the new the layout or whatever. Yep. I don't know. I'm new to the concept. Yep. A, a bar it's has been all you need yeah. really for a long time. Technology's advanced uh, in a lifetime. But no, it, it makes sense because you, you know you can maximize your space. Like I, I get it. Uh, but I got to demo some stuff in the cl- in the current closet. 
you know, where the, the mounts to where the bars have been hanging for quite some time. And uh, I did that with minimal wall damage, which I was pretty That's stoked. Uh, I was pretty stoked about because I did. This is my second closet I've demolished, and uh, maximum wall damage for closet number one. So, and that turned out to be its own nightmare. So minimal wall damage. I was pretty stoked about that. You should get better at it as you go. I got to patch some stuff, like a, a like a one kind of spot. Not bad. House stuff though, never ending. And let me tell you, don't be don't be liberal with that wall patching stuff, unless you want to be correct. Unless you want to be sanding for the rest of your life. Correct. Yes, you want to make sure you use five percent more than you have to, because you're right. And then not only do you sand, then you have dust everywhere. And and again, a whole new problem created by just oh, lather it on there. I told you, I bought a. Let's make sure we really get it. I bought a pop up camper over the summer. Yeah, I saw it the other day. It's pretty cool. It might be a hundred square feet when it's all unpacked. Like honestly, I couldn't even tell you. It might not even probably fifty square feet. All right, I might move into that thing. Why not? Why not? It has a microwave, has a propane tank. There's no running water, but I can put water in the tank and then I can pump it out. What more do you need? And then I'm never having to do any upgrades. I've had friends that have two or three pairs of clothes, and that's all I need. Have embraced the minimalist thing, like that that lifestyle where you're like, I don't need it, so I'm going I'm going small and bare bones. I'm not unemployed. I'm embracing the minimalist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. But I don't think I'm I'm going to be moving into a tent trailer anytime soon. No, no. I don't think I I'm going to. Especially now, it's cold outside. Actually, this morning, if there was one beautiful thing, it was like warm today for the first time yeah. since Thanksgiving. The sun's been out. Yeah, it's it was been nice. nice. Megan strikes me as a person that uh, would go the tent trailer, minimalist route. Megan? No. no? I like running water You got to have stuff? Do you have you a like, lot of clothes? Okay. Um, I have a lot of hoodies. How many pairs of shoes do you have? Oh, um, let's say 50. Wow. Whoa. 55. Oh. Yeah, you have a lot of clothes. <laughs> 50's a lot. Where do you put them? In my closet. You they're, have a closet They're space. all over. Someone's yeah. done their closets. <laughs> Megan's done her closets, yeah. What kind of shoes, mostly? What are they the majority? Sneakers? Sneakers, yeah. Sneakers? Do you have boots? I have a lot of boots. Do you have heels? No. Yeah, you don't seem like a heels person. No. Do you, you have a single pair of heels? Like a wedding, a designated wedding shoe? I have like two nice pairs. Okay. That only come out for nice occasions. Yeah. Jake, how many pairs of heels do you have? Several. Um, I don't have a lot of shoes. But well, actually, let me put it this way: I don't wear a lot of shoes. Yeah. Here's the here's the beauty of the Sanuk, Ben. It's very flexible. It yep. can be worn on a day to day basis. It can be worn to weddings. I've done it. Correct. I've I've put it with a suit. It looks fancy. Uh, so that's where that's the route. It I is go. weird. And here's the problem with getting older because it's something we don't adjust to. As you're a young person, you wear shoes and you wear them out, or you grow out of them, and then you have to toss them and you get a new pair of shoes. At some point, a you stop being athletic, which Jake and I are totally stop being athletic. Long so long we don't ago. wear out shoes anymore. So we just acquire shoes. Okay. So now, where you would have like one in, one out. You just have one in, and the next year you have one in, and then you're going to a wedding, so you have one more in, and then you buy better boots for the winter, so you have one in, and out of nowhere, over three or four years, you've added 15 pairs of shoes to your closet, which is why you're now rebuilding closets for the shoes that you really don't ever actually wear. Yeah, we're going through a bit of a, a, a trim down a when declutter. it comes to stuff, yep. which is heartbreaking to me because I'm very sentimental, very sentimental. But I have 15 pairs of shoes. I wouldn't want to throw away... Two or three pairs of them that I haven't worn in five years. But I'm the same way. I have a weird sentimental attachment to something I never use. Never. 
I, I keep T-shirts. I Listen, and, and my wife is not the sentimental type. Yes. And it's fine because it, it really works for us because she's right, of course, that we have way too much stuff. And I've got to, you know, get over it because we got to get rid of all this stuff. But it does crush me every time. Yeah. She's it's like, tough. we got to get rid of this. We got to get rid of this. Okay. I say through tears. <laughs> This is I your dad's more cold. gun. I gotta, I gotta be more. I've got to start to be a little bit more cold. You probably can take a picture of it. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Frame it. No, I don't think start we're doing that. We've, we've got clothes. more. We've got more frame stuff than we know what to do with. Yeah, limited wall space. But we don't have the walls for the frame stuff we already have. Nobody cares about this, do they, Ben? You're gonna need a second house. Nobody for your does. Oh no, because everyone going through this. Everyone understands this this problem that we're having. Every guy that we're, that listens to our show has too many pairs of shoes, and every woman we're listening to is wondering why her husband or boyfriend has so many shirts that they don't wear. And I'm the same thing. I have, like, my overflow shirts, and it's overflowing. Ugh. And I don't wear them. No. I need to get rid of them. I wear, honestly, five T-shirts. It's like a rotation. I've got drawers of them. <sighs> Should we talk some basketball? So the Jazz are playing tonight. It's going to be a weird night tonight. All right. Listen, this is what I think is likely going on, Ben. The rules in Canada surrounding the coronavirus are uh, a tad stringent. And the Jazz, uh, with the news about Rudy Gobert yesterday, are dealing with a couple of, uh, of cases within their locker room, which could, could, hopefully not, but could expand, right? Worst case scenario, you go to Toronto, you play, you have a couple of positive tests, and all of a sudden those guys, and as far as I understand it, are to stay in Canada for 14 days. For 14 days. See, the CDC here obviously has moved everything up to five days of quarantine. Canada is still saying a full 14 because they're trying to limit the spread as much as possible. So they make you stay there, which was funny. You would think the first thing they would do is kick you out of the country, right? Don't you think Canada would be like, get out don't come in if you have it, and if you get it while you're here, get out of the country, especially if you're going back to the United States, but that's not what they allow at all. They make you quarantine for 14 days. So, yes, the Jazz decided yesterday to release an injury report that's as long as David Copperfield, and they are not even flying guys to no. Toronto on the outside chance that they end up getting sick. Nor should they. Go to Toronto, take the L, likely. Uh, give, the, give the young guys an opportunity to go out there and play. The whole league's dealing with it. You know, the, the Jazz success of their season is not going to rise or fall based on a road game on a random Friday in Toronto. So this just makes – it makes a ton of sense. And, and again, we'll, we'll take a stab at making it interesting because I think it is. Oh, uh, this is going to be one of the most – this will be a game that we look back on in 15 years and say you remember that game that had yeah. three players that you never heard of before that are suiting up that got signed this morning? Like you're going to have a weird, random couple of guys on this team that we will look back at as one of the strange games in jazz right. history. But this is a strange time in world history, yep. Yep. and it's it's pretty amazing when you take a step back from it. And they're like, okay, so it's good strategy to leave your entire team in the Correct. country. And it, it's a reminder that uh, with the NBA, you deal with real life. It's real life situations. Like Ennis Cantor can't leave the country. Right. Oh, excuse me, Ennis Cantor Freedom, freedom yep. or, or else he could be disappeared by the Turkish government. Right. That's like a thing. Right. So it's, you know, real life meets, you know, the the wonderful imagination that we have for sport. And, you know, and there's people out there that are like, oh, how could you how could you not feel the best team you possibly can? Get out there and win every game. And it's like, well, 
It's not that simple. By the way, if I'm Adam Silver, I'm really leaning on Toronto to move their team back down to Tampa. Tampa, at least for a couple of months. Yeah, depending on uh, which direction Canada goes. You're having goes. players not show up to your country. Yeah, you know what true. I mean. And yeah. we're risking if they get if they go up there and do get sick, which they're getting sick here, flying up there sick and then testing positive there. It's not like they're catching it and testing positive that same day. It's just not really possible to have it show that quickly. Then they're stuck there for two weeks. And so no team wants to do that. I mean, the Jazz wouldn't get these guys back until the end of January, (laughs) if that was the case. You know, can you imagine not having Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell for the next eight games and the type of impact that's going to have? And then the advantage it actually gives Toronto by having teams leave their best players in Salt Lake City or in Indiana or wherever they are right now to not even join the team. I mean, it was a weird competitive advantage for one team because the Jazz aren't the only team that are going to do this or are doing this. It's a smart move by the Jazz, but it's goofy overall. Can you imagine if that happened? Donovan Mitchell goes to Toronto, and it's like, well, you're not coming back because we've got this positive test He's here. He's a political prisoner. Does, does does the government determine where he has to go? He probably they probably have hotels that he has to stay in specifically. Oh, I'm picturing like windowless brick structures. <laughs> I'm thinking like the all white contagion room. You know what I mean? Where there's like scientists like looking at him, and there's like dripping water for some reason oh. in the background. Imagine all the, white clothes. The jazz show. I'm a trillionaire. The jazz Just show. Let up me out of here. So their next game, they go. God, where's Donovan? I don't know. Some dungeon in Toronto. <laughs> some dungeon in Toronto. We hope we'll see him again. It's like a leper colony. It's the modern leper col- leper colonies. That's what we're dealing with now. Toronto. <laughs> I went to. Uh, I don't, this is a funny story, I guess, but I went to Cancun when I was very young, Ben. I was 18. It was spring break. We went down there, had a great time, encountered uh, some other uh, – another group on the bus, you know, and you chat as you do. And they had mentioned that they had an additional buddy who they came down to Cancun with five days prior and had not seen him in four because he had been arrested. <laughs> and they were like, we don't know if we're going to – see him or where he is or yeah so there's that can you imagine on the nba level where's donovan i've got i got nothing they he left with the mounties <laughs> they carried him off after the game and uh we're told we're gonna hear from him in two weeks but no one has any idea kind of in the wind i'm sure the players uh, aren't that bummed about not having to go no on this not. trip to toronto and they're not bummed about having to pay the tax up there. By the way, Denver to Toronto, how long of a flight is that? That is a long flight. As opposed to going Denver to Indiana? Was that two states? Three states, I guess? The middle America? Yeah, those guys got lucky. And I imagine Elijah Hughes. You, you ever been on, like, the first time Tim Lacombe and I did a jazz game together, it is kind of weird. She's like, you know what? We don't know each other very well. We're going to sit in this room, just the two of us, and we're going to talk for the next five hours. Let's hope we get along. Because that can always be difficult. Daniel House joins the Jazz on this plane trip from Denver to Toronto and doesn't know any of these people. And now he's on this plane with five of these guys. And, or, you know, I guess there's probably like eight guys on this flight plus the Jazz coaching staff. That has to be awkward to be like, you're the new guy in town. Joe's gone. Mie's been traded. And now you're coming in to take their minutes. And welcome to the team. Here's an eight-hour flight to Toronto plus customs. And you have to play. I imagine he's sitting with the coaches the whole time and they're just going over film. That's got to be it. It's got to be it, which is also a horrible flight. Or else I'm just sitting in the corner with the headphones on taking a nap because you could only do negative things on that plane. Right. You know what I mean? What if, what if you go participate in the card game and clean them out? Correct. 
That's not going to get you off to a good start before you even know people. And you could lose your whole 10-day contract on the plane if you're not careful. Right. You could lose it all. And whatever you do, don't have a few cocktails. I mean, then <laughs> you don't want to make a bad first impression. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting right next to La Garza. I'm taking in everything I can, and I'm taking a nap. And then I'm saying, put me in, coach, because I'm going to go win a spot on this team. Which, of course, is what makes this game interesting. Yeah. No, it's going to be fun. And, and, and look, I tried to take a stab at the Jazz rotation last night on Twitter, uh, and inevitably I left off a couple of names just because there are players that are on the Jazz that we never see play. But we're, we're probably talking about a starting lineup of Trent Forrest, Jordan Clarkson, who's questionable, Rudy Gay, who's also questionable, Royce O'Neal, who is also questionable, and Hassan Whiteside, who, Jake, is also questionable. Mm. So there is a chance it's none of those four guys, and it's Trent Forrest, Jared Butler, Elijah Hughes, Eric Paschal, and Yudoka Asabuki, which was the Jazz Summer League team, other than Eric Paschal. I mean, it is an insane, and Jared Butler didn't even get to play in Summer League because he was, he was still coming out of uh, the, the hard stuff, but th- this is going to be a rotation the Jazz are playing that nobody's ever seen, including... Daniel House, who the Jazz have never played before, and Norvell Pell, who they signed this morning to a 10-day contract who has played in 37 games. And in fact, the Jazz haven't even announced the signing today, and he's expected to get minutes tonight for the Jazz, so he won't even go through a shoot-around. Like, it's going to be crazy how little we get to know any of these people. And then they got to play, and you've got to pretend that this matters towards your standings at the end of the season. Which it ultimately doesn't. But I, I know, I, I, I'm looking forward to it for a lot of the same reasons that I do look forward to Summer League. I love Summer League, and I love these games, too. Because people are out there playing. They're out there playing for their careers. They're out there putting film on, or, you know, putting things on film, and they're going to take advantage of it. It's why the Jazz, has, it hasn't been perfect against some of these shorthanded teams amidst the uh, the recent situation with COVID, right? Because they run up against these teams like with good players trying to prove that they're great and players on the border trying to make the league. And all those guys are playing hard. That, that will be what's funny about tonight. Every single one of these guys is trying to get more minutes in the future. Other than, you know, Jordan Clarkson. Even then, Jordan Clarkson, if you're going to give him 40 shots tonight. If he plays, he's going to get 25 shots tonight. Like He can easily go off for 50, especially against the Toronto team. He can score a lot of points, but it will be funny to see what Jared Butler tries to do, what Trent Forrest's job is, which will be significantly different because as he's talked about, you know, when he's out there, usually Donovan's out there and Boyan Bogdanovich is out there and Rudy Gobert's out there. It's not his job to shoot. Nobody wants Trent Forrest ending possessions when you have all those other talented players out there, and now he really doesn't have a choice. You know, he's going to have to shoot the ball 12 times just because you have 90 possessions and he's got to use some of them. That's what's going to make this game interesting. Rudy said in a post game uh, a few games ago what he advice he gives Trent Forrest, and he tell, he, Rudy said, I tell him to be a point guard. Yeah. That's what he's going to have to be. He's going to have to go out there and be a point guard. Yeah. But you know what? Again, this is a chance to really prove yourself, and that's got to be a fun opportunity. This is going to be the best real minutes, and you know, the game's not all that real altogether, but this is going to be the most we really see Jared Butler play. These are going to be, you know, he's going to play 25 minutes, assuming he doesn't foul out. He's going to get out there. He's going to be, especially if Jordan Clarkson doesn't play, he's going to be the Jazz's most talented scorer in the backcourt. I don't think there's any question about that, along with Daniel House, and we've never seen him play before. Tonight's going to be something. It's going to be fun. It's going to be it, something. Honestly, it'll be fun. I'm excited for it. I'm ex- I, I like shaking things up every okay. once in a while. So let me ask you this, and I ask uh, Coach Clum this every game. Will tonight be an Arby's night? 
I would be stunned if this roster can score 111 points. So, no. No. I'm going to say no Arby's Night tonight. I love it that I process games now in, in, through the realm of Arby's Night. It's like, it's like a new thing for Weather me this year because Tim's really good at predicting it, but I think about it all the time. Like, like the, I imagine this is how a gambler feels. Right? How does that? How does that injury affect the the line? Your uncut make that gems, bad? you know, like your Adam Sandler and uncut gems, but with Arby's. I see, I see tweet uh, Ben's tweets last night or yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this doesn't look good for Arby's. I better plan this, out my this, lunch this differently. This does not look good for an Arby's night. You'll have to take Little Caesars home instead because you're not getting Arby's tomorrow. You're eating Little Caesars the day after the game. It's gonna be hot and ready. It's not gonna be uh, not gonna be my free roast beef. But yeah, I don't think they're getting to 111 tonight. We'll see what coach again is the Rostradamus as one of the yeah. Twitter followers. Oh, was that about roast beef sandwiches? Yes. I thought that was about playing on the road, and he was predicting how well the Jazz would play on the road, like Rostradamus. I missed that it was Rostradamus, which no, is even funnier. it's about him. That's way funnier. Since we've put in the promotion, coach is now 12-1, and one, Wow, I think, in predicting Arby's. I mean, he, you always take over. The safe bet would always be to take over. The safe over. bet's over, but he hasn't always – he's hit on some unders too. And what he missed on was an, indeed an over. You know what's hilarious is how healthy the Raptors are. Of all these teams in the NBA right now, I'm looking at guys that are actually expected to miss this game tonight. It's Utah Watanabe and Svi Mikhailuk. Goran Dragic isn't playing because he really just hasn't been with the team for a long time. Probably isn't going to rejoin the Raptors. But Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi – Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, all these guys, their rotation guys should be should be out there. Oh, they're gonna Jazz eat. should get spanked. They're going to eat, yeah. Jazz should get be, spanked. It's going to be rough. Yeah. But it'll be fun to watch. What do you think about what Toronto's doing? As long as we're talking about Toronto, they're kind of in this weird middle-of-the-road phase. Well, they're a game over 500 in their seventh in the Eastern Conference. It's it, probably smart for them to not totally pull the plug. Do they have the talent to build around to get back to the top of the Eastern Conference? I love Siakam. I like him. I think we've learned he's probably a third guy. Okay. That's, well, he was already a second guy. Right. It's really hard to find two guys better than your third guy, which is what actually ended up being a blessing in disguise, Gordon Hayward leaving the Jazz. Hayward kind of looked like he might be a second guy. Turns out, league-wide, he's probably a number three guy on your roster. You had Gobert, and you probably didn't recognize that he was a number two guy at that point. You didn't realize he was going to be that good. And I don't know if Donovan Mitchell ever would have developed as the number one guy if Gordon Hayward was there. I agree with that. But it was a, it was this weird, it was this weird. And teams get trapped in, in that the, in the atmosphere because they drafted Donovan before Gordon left, and right. maybe there was some insurance there. I don't know. Right. But the and, fact that he could go in and shoot as much as he wanted right. as a rookie, just have at it. I mean. Perfect world, Donovan's development would have cha- wouldn't have changed at all, nor would have Gobert's, and then you would have had Gordon Hayward gladly take the number three role. He never would have done that in Utah as the highest paid player. He never would have wanted would have wanted to take a backseat, especially offensively. He wouldn't have wanted to do that, so you probably needed to move on from him. If it would have worked out, great. Gordon Hayward would have been a terrific number three. You wouldn't have had to go out and find Boyan Bogdanovich, and you would have had a better two way player who could also score the ball. But he left, it opened things up, and it allowed you to really go out and target specific guys to put around Donovan and Rudy, and it worked out. Remember uh, Donovan started the first game of his uh, career because Rodney Hood had gastric distress? Yeah. And I don't think Donovan went back to the bench. 
Yeah, Wally that Pip. Whole, right? That whole year, yeah. It was like, like basically the per- perfect Wally Pip situation. Eating that burrito the night before was yeah. bad news. He always had that. I know. He had he, it at Duke, too. It was weird. It was a weird thing issues. that he always had with his stomach, his anxiety, apparently. Is that what it, it was? His anxiety would make him sick. Huh. He has really bad anxiety. So, Well, that was a rough night to have anxiety. Yeah. First game? Or I guess it wasn't the first game. It was like you the know, eighth now game that you, or whatever. Now that you say that, I, I 100% get why Rodney Hood would have had anxiety. He was, for no fault of his own, the everybody's pick as to who was going Default. to be the next number one on the team, who was Correct. going to be the next scorer or whatever. Everybody looks at Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood, was a, he was a fine player here with the Jazz, but he was never that. That was also never a blessing going in disguise. To be that. Yeah. Because there are teams in the NBA, and I, I could look at a couple of rosters right now and probably pick out a few players, but because somebody has to score, somebody has to get 20 shots a game. Yeah. And when everyone... These guys are all so good at basketball. You give any player 20 shots, they're going to average close to 20 points a game. Like, they're just that good at basketball. Everybody is at least that good. But there is a difference between the Donovan Mitchells of the world and the other guys who get... Like, Boyan Bogdanovich, if you put him as a number one guy on a team, will average 25 points a game. Your team might win 28 games because I don't think he's the guy you necessarily want being your number one guy. But you can... Get him a bunch of points, and then you're trapped giving him a supermax contract because you're saying, well, he averages 25 points a game. He's a top 10 player in the league. That might be what Toronto's dealing with with Fred Van Vliet and with Pascal Siakam. Can I give you an example of what you're talking about? So I mentioned, I think, I, well, I've obviously told you, we, my family had season tickets to the Charlotte Hornets, yep. first season in existence there in North Carolina. They had three jazz players on that team, former jazz players. And uh, one of one, which was their best player. He made the All-Star game, Ben. I have to go back and look at it, but he averaged 20-plus points. Do you know who that guy is? And it wasn't Ricky Green. Glenn Rice. And it was not Del Curry. Glenn Rice didn't come along till a couple of years okay. later. Kelly Trapuca. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. All-Star birth, 20-plus yes. points. Yep. And I don't remember how many wins the Hornets had that year, but it wasn't many. Yeah. It was like in the teens. Right. They were an expansion team. They got dropped. And uh, Kelly Trapuca thrived because somebody's got to score the basketball. Spurs right now. DeJounte Murray has to score. People are talking about him as an all-star. It's like, maybe. Maybe. Ah. I, I don't know if he's a number one guy. In fact, I do know he's not a number one guy. Kings, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, like all these guys that can score 20 points in a night. It's like, yeah, but they're not stars. And there is a difference, I believe, in stars and not stars. I do think that really is a thing that matters. And it's really hard to go from Shea Gilgis-Alexander, great player, horrendous team, to Donovan Mitchell, great player, great team. And when you do find those guys, they're worth their weight in gold, and the Jazz have one. I have a theory for you, uh, and I know we're late, but I'm going to throw this out there because I think this is a fascinating conversation. Is it part of the reason Bradley Beal has never left Washington? Because you can make one hell of a living – being the best player on a bad team. Correct. 100%. And he's going to sign a Supermax. He's going to be the highest paid player in the league if he doesn't leave the Wizards. Right. And so why why go be – would Beal be on a championship contender, one, two, or three? We're talking about those slots. Where would Beal be on a true yeah. title contender, two or three? Right, exactly. Who's getting Supermaxes, not two or three? Right. Oh, Kyle Kuzma. The guy who's scoring 30 points a game on a bad team is getting a Supermax. Kyle Kuzma got a great landing spot with the Lakers on a horrible team where he could shoot a bunch and like proved he was an NBA player and is still in the league kind of because of the promise yes. he showed in his first year. Now, he's developed, 
But he got to develop because they gave him a green light to do whatever he wanted so he could kind of you know develop some skills that he wouldn't have gotten had he gotten drafted by the yeah. Jazz, which is crazy because he did get picked at the end of the first round, and traditionally those guys don't get a chance to play the way Jared Butler is not getting any opportunity to play for the Jazz, where if Jared Butler was on the Magic right now or was on the Pistons right now, He'd be getting 25 minutes a night and 14 shots and be averaging 18 points a game. We'd be talking about him as a Rookie of the Year candidate. Why didn't they draft him then? Why didn't those teams draft him? Yeah. Knees. Heart. Hey, some issues. They're leaving 18 points a game on the board as, well, as no, a that's the thing. They didn't. Ben. They're giving it to the other guy who's getting 18 points a game. There's someone else on that. T- Sadiq Bey right now for the Pistons is playing unbelievable basketball. Who might you ask? Yes, Sadiq Bey. We'll see him on Monday night. So it all, it all comes back to that, that Pulp Fiction line where he goes that's just pride talking if I'm a player in the NBA screw winning put me on a dog and I'm going to score 30 points a game Correct. and make a half a billion dollars in my career that is not a bad let's go bad way to go it's not a bad way to go for some guys I could be Chris Bosh or I could be Bradley Beal Give me Bradley Beal. Yeah. Everybody thinks I'm awesome right it's not a bad job you go to all star games you're going to go to the hall of fame make zillions never going to win a title but, but you're a trillionaire was never going to go down as the best player ever anyway. Right. More next. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz at 30 update here on Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, here is Coach Quinn Snyder talking about uh, how the small ball lineup is coming along. We've played Rudy at the five at times this year, obviously out of necessity tonight. That was the situation. It's something that we've tried to work on, but haven't had a game like this. It's a different look. We talk a lot about, you know, ball movement and, and running and we, we want to do those things, but, but there's times when you, you need to be more deliberate and we haven't had that with that particular group. So meaning we haven't, we haven't been able to execute at the level that we want with those guys. And when you play more minutes a certain way, guys just, you know, they begin to figure some things out. This Jazz Update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Uh, refresh the inside or outside of your home with Five Star Experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! You're home for the best sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. If you really want more, if you is different. What is this? Megan? This is Usher. This is Usher. Hirsch? I like that we keep getting uh, a little, little peek into uh, Miracle Megan's mind. Usher left me after that Yeah song. You, you were done with him, or you just haven't heard anything since He just then? hasn't come really back into my... Uh, Correct. But that song was a bop. That was one of the great songs of our uh, our youth. Isn't that... Dep- well, I wasn't that young, but isn't that depressing? No, that was a great song. Was that it? song was a smash. That song was a club smash. A legitimate song of the summer. Who was the... Who Little was, John. Little John, yeah, yeah. And he was coming in DJ and uh, like jazz things. Yeah. Like yeah. A, Kyle Corver, somebody had a birthday party and Little John was the DJ. He was kind of a... He kind of had to go back to being... Like he went... He had a very quick career from being huge star to I make guest appearances at the fair. 
He, you know, he went like, from there to there pretty quick. Really quickly. Way quicker than most people Kind of like uh, Spinal Tap. 100%. One tour. He starts doing arenas, and by the end, he's, he's doing uh, casinos in Carson, California. Uh, I don't blame you, Jake, if you didn't watch the Red and Utes basketball game last night. Uh, Apparently nobody did, uh, according to some Washington guy. Percy Allen, uh, who covers uh, Washington. He's a Cleveland native, uh, but uh, covers the Washington uh, basketball team for the Seattle Times, tweeted this out last night. And uh, it kind of didn't go viral, but it certainly got some blowback from some Utah fans. This place used to be rocking. He's hanging out at Huntsman Center. This place used to be rocking. Not long ago, Utah had one of the best home courts in the Pac-12. This is what it looks like tonight. It's 10 minutes before tip-off, and yes, the upper section is curtained off. So we know that. We know they've closed off the entire upper section, unless it's a huge game, Utah-BYU or something. Generally, that, that upper, upper bowl is closed off. And then last night, there was maybe, I mean, from his picture, and again, it would fill up as time goes on, it looked like maybe there was 2,000 people there. Maybe. Might have been less than that. Might have been a thousand. It it has not been an easy year for the Utes. It's really been a bad week for the Utes. They've lost to what Oregon, Oregon State, and Washington last yesterday. Washington is one of the worst teams in the conference. Maybe only second to the Utes now. Uh, Utes were up double digits. Blew it, couldn't score down the stretch. Ended up losing to Washington. They did the same thing to Oregon State on the road. They lost to Oregon. No surprise you lose to Oregon. Oregon State's traditionally a pretty good program too, but this has certainly not been the turnaround I think a lot of Utah basketball fans wanted. Then again, you look at the roster and it's a bunch of guys they've got to transfer in who were not playing at high-level D1 schools beforehand. I'm not sure this is totally unexpected. Well, I don't think Barry and the youth fans is really fair because, let me put it this way, Ben, they ain't the Red Rocks. Right. You know what I mean? But what did we really expect? Did you expect the Utes to be good this year? I did not because this time Craig Smith didn't bring an NBA player with him. Right. This time Craig didn't bring Nimi Keita with him. Correct. So here's here's a simple recipe with Utah basketball. It's not as simple with Utah State per se or BYU, but with Utah it's pretty simple. When they have multiple NBA guys, they're awesome. <laughs> Correct. When, when they're really they talented, they're good. When they don't, they stink. And I don't think there's an NBA guy on that roster. No, there definitely is not. Let me go back to the 98, uh, the, right, 97-98, uh, yep. the finals run. Final four, yeah. I mean, Andre Miller. Right. NBA guy. Doliak. Doliak, NBA guy. Hano Metala. Britton Johnson. Right. NBA guys. Alex Jensen. Yeah, they had a bunch of NBA guys. And you had just left having Van Horn on your team, who was number two overall pick. Yeah, you were really Andrew talented. Andrew Bogut. Yeah. They go to the Sweet 16. Right. Number one pick in the Durham draft. Except for they didn't, right. they didn't, Kuzma's the one they didn't really take. But they had three of those guys on the roster yeah. last time they went to a Sweet 16. Yes. Like, yes, it makes sense. you got to have those guys. So that's going to be what Craig Smith has to do. He has to carve that out. BYU's taped it together when they've had their good teams sometimes. Yeah. Utah State, the same way. At Utah, it's simple. When you recruit a baller, you're really good. Go back to the 80s when they had Pace and Danny Vrains. Yeah. Tom Chambers. Tom Chambers. Yeah. They were really good. So here's... I want to relay this conversation. This isn't just to come out and throw the running Utes under the bus. This is to translate into this conversation that I think is important for BYU to recognize as they enter the Big 12 and what is remarkable about what Kyle Whittingham has done with the Utes in the Pac-12, which is when you fall to the bottom of your conference, and I made this argument last week to you, Jake, it is really hard to climb out. When you get to the bottom, just because you're in a Power 5 conference doesn't mean you just 
get to bounce back because you get to knock on different doors because you're in the Power Five, which was kind of the conversation for the youths when they were going into the Pac-12 was think of the recruiting. Think of the guys you can talk to now that you never could have talked to before, which is true, but now you're only swimming in the waters with those other teams that are doing the same thing. So right now the youths are at the bottom of the Pac-12 when it comes to basketball, and it's going to be really difficult to climb back out when you're trying to leap UCLA, who's a top five team in the country, USC, who has two or three pros and a lottery pick on their roster every single year, Arizona, which is maybe the best basketball program in the history of college basketball, and Arizona State, which has easy recruiting advantages over Salt Lake City right now. Not to mention Oregon. Not to mention Oregon State, which has had a pretty good basketball program recently. Washington, which generally has a couple of pros, even though they're terrible. I can name seven or eight Pac-12 teams that if I'm a young basketball player, I'm going to over the run in Utes, which was not the case 20 years ago or when Rick Majerus was here. It's really going to be difficult for Craig Smith to pull his way out of this hole that the Utes are in. But it's a credit to Kyle Whittingham when he had back-to-back five and seven seasons, when they were below Arizona and Arizona State and USC and UCLA for those seasons, that he could get them back to the Pac- top of the Pac-12 South and really where I think the Utes are the premier program right now in the Pac-12. So I agree with that, but I, I think it's less so in basketball because I think you can go from bottom to top in college basketball much quicker, especially now with the new rules. You make a good because point. Because one guy uh, can uh, make a difference. Because one dude can make a difference. All you got to grab is that one guy. You got to find Jakob overseas and land DeLon Wright as a, as a transfer and you're off to the races. So, and there's, there's more than goes into that than program clout. But with that in mind, I mean, out recruiting UCLA is you know, uh, Here's a problem. Brutal. Yeah, I got You got to out recruit BYU right now. Sure. And you can't, you didn't get Colin Chandler. Like, that's who you needed. That's the kid you needed, and, he, and he's going on a mission, right? So he's a couple of years away. But, like, yes, you do need to have that. Ironically, Craig Smith has a history of getting his own Yaka Pirtle, which is Nemeas Keita. Correct. Right? Like, that was not a guy anyone thought was an NBA player. You said this is a great, huge person, super athletic. I bet with some work we can turn him into something. And it just so happens he was an NBA guy and deserved to be an NBA guy and was, what, a three-time Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year. So, yes, you need to go find that guy. Now— it's really hard to put all your eggs in the basket of finding a diamond in the rough. Luckily, there are a trillion good basketball players in the world. Right. But if you do, you're back, you're back swimming in the deep end in no time. Football football's yeah, Football's hard. Yeah. Football's brutal. Yeah. To go from Colorado. Just look at Colorado, for example. When they're good, it's brief. And you, you wonder, were they really that good? Right. Like the time they won the South, the one year right. under McIntyre that they won the South, right. where it was like, is this smoke and mirrors? And then it's gone. And generally it's because they have a senior quarterback and a couple of senior like linebackers that are undersized that can't play in the NFL, but like are good enough as a team. They play together that, yes, they'll catch everyone else on a weird down season. But to be in it every single year is a much different conversation. But it's also... A warning to BYU to recognize like it's going to be really hard to be in the Big 12 and expect to win right away. And if you do lose right away, climbing back out of it is difficult. Now, BYU is going to go in with a leg up because they're already good in both basketball and football. They're not entering in at the very bottom. Like They've got good money. They've got the... Uh, they've got the facilities that you need to have to go into the Big 12. They, they are in a good spot entering. But if it dips at all, which I think it does naturally is going to happen when you're playing these good teams week in and week out that know how to beat you, there's going to be a slight dip and just recognize that it's going to be harder to climb out. BYU's challenge in the Big 12 is going to be their league and their recruiting geography don't align. 
Correct. And I think this is going to be a bigger problem in football than it is in basketball for some of the reasons we're talking about. But where does BYU get its guys from? The Mountain West and California IA. Where are they going to be playing basketball? Do you think basketball is going to be the most exciting sport to watch? BYU's going to be really good. Being in that league, yes. it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and, I, and that's no, no shot at BYU amazing. football at all. It's going to be fun to watch them play all these Big 12 football teams. But Big 12 basketball is as good as it gets. I mean, that's going to be awesome to watch BYU play Baylor and Kansas and Iowa and Do Iowa you, uh, State. It's going to be so fun to watch BYU compete. And they, they should be good right away. I mean, youth, or BYU excuse me, is going to be good right away. Going in and playing those teams is going to be incredible. I wonder if, if BYU fans have thought about this and wish that there were more destination-type areas for their new league. You know, like, oh, we're going to go see BYU play Baylor on the road. Next stop, Lubbock. Get my tickets. We're going to Lubbock. Yeah, right. No, wait. Is no Baylor's in Waco. Lubbock is Texas Tech. Yes. Excuse me. Yes, right. Waco though, We've got some history at least. We're following the basketball team. We're doing the road swing. We're gonna do yeah, Waco no and offense. Lubbock. Kansas sucks. Yeah, Kansas sucks. You know, like it's an awesome it's basketball flat. team. <laughs> Don't drive. It's not a place to go. Don't drive. Yeah, it's so ugly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, you're right. Where's Oklahoma State? Not Miami, I'll yeah, tell you that. Right. There's going to be some fun football games. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be sure. some very fun football games. But don't games. you wish there were a few more destinations oh, there? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. You You're know. not going to sunny Los Angeles. No. You're not going to Seattle. You're going to... Where's Iowa State? That's not the one in Ames. But freezing. <laughs> don't go to the basketball games. Don't travel don't for a basketball, the basketball game. game. Those are not good TV. winter cities, I guess, <laughs> unless you're going to Texas. True. Stay tuned. More next. Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. <laughs> Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wait, we have some breaking news here. Oh, good. Uh, I love breaking news. Megan, a source confirms Mary Crosby indeed did not attend the Real Housewives of Salt Lake Season 2 reunion taping. That likely means she's not coming back for Season 3, which I hear is set to start filming in the coming weeks. No more Mary. Oh, bummer. Who's, Who's Mary? Mary's not your favorite. She is not. Nope. Uh, she's the one who uh, runs a church here in town. Hmm. I don't know how else we do. She was controversial in season one because of her marriage, which is <laughs> interesting. I you gotta have a sense of humor. I'm gonna have to burn this down one weekend, maybe like Sunday. I you know what I need to do? I need to contract coronavirus and have and a just go quarantine and RHO SLC. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'm gonna save it. On the off chance I get coronavirus at some point, I don't want it. But if I get it, and then I'm just going to burn it down one weekend. Her grandmother ran the church and was married to a guy. Okay. Grandma dies. She marries grandpa. She's the one who married grandpa. She marries step-grandpa. Uncle-grandpa. It was not, it was not, yeah. 
step grandpa. That's a pretty important thing there legally. I yeah, think. whatever. They uh, do have a child together yeah. as well. Uncle, grandpa, dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brother. Right. Strange. But hey, I'm not judging. Whatever. Yeah, no judgment. However, we uh, we get through this thing. But uh, it's yeah, a weird life Mary, we live in. We Mary live in Crosby's out. Celebrity in this day and age has never been stranger, and it's always been weird. But it's certainly never been stranger. Did you see that? Uh, I guess Sundance is uh, Sundance not doing going all digital. So, do the celebrities still come? Is what I thought. Do, do you still fly to? Because really, they're not here for the movie. They're here for the networking, right? Correct. But no, they're not because I don't think they're doing any in-person meetings. So yeah, you can just do everything over Zoom again. Uh, Kanye West has a new girlfriend, Julia Fox. So who's in Uncut Gems that you watched? Which one? Remember he goes to the, her hotel room or like her apartment. He kind of runs over there in the middle. Oh, uh, the – yeah. 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 Oh, well. That's Kanye West's new girlfriend. Good for now. him. And now she's – I mean she's like an actress, but now she's like super famous. She's, she's, she's essentially Chris Humphreys to tie this back to a local tie. It's like you found a stand-in person to be a celebrity to date this insanely famous celebrity because they're like attractive and kind of easy to market. Well, when you're a presidential candidate, Ben, get a lot of attention. Correct. Get a lot why Kanye's famous. of attention. So it's a weird time to be a celebrity. <laughs> Is there ever a normal time to be a celebrity? I bet you there have been more normal times to be celebrities. You know, I bet you like Bing Crosby was <laughs> – He'd be like, yeah, but he's like, not a great person, apparently. But, like, he was a bad father. But, like, he was, he'd go do his shows and he'd go home. He'd go to dinner and be, like, fancy when he's at dinner. And be like, Bing Crosby just walked in. But it's not like you are on, there's 50 write-ups for you when you date Kanye West now, like there is Julia Fox. Or you're on this reality show that you married your grandfather and have a kid with him and you're famous nationwide on this... 30th ranked channel across the country that is some type of celebrity. Not that I would ever be any sort of celebrity, but here's what I would... I've got bad news for you, Jake. Here's what I would... I've got bad news for you. You've been on the radio for 20 years. I know. This barely counts. Uh, I would not like the whole... See, I don't like generally photos of myself. I don't feel like they... uh, Like, I'm not really vain per se. I just feel like I often look like a moron. You know what I mean? But like, let's, let's take a celebrity like Thurl Bailey. How many photos mm-hmm. of Thurl are in the wind? You know, Correct. like how many like how many photos does our guy T take on a jazz home game night? I think I saw a thing. It's like modern sports records that we've talked about. Like yeah. the three point shooting record gets broken every year. I remember seeing a report that Barack Obama was the most photographed human in world history. Until the next guy. Right? Like it's always yeah. gonna be until the next guy. I'm sure Donald Trump has passed Obama as far as photographers because there was 50 more photographers. Technology's way better. It's easier to upload photos than it was in 2008 or whenever Obama got elected. Like, it's just getting easier. Now, like, Kanye has probably lapped both of those people because every time he goes out, there's a trillion photos of them or Bieber or whoever. There's just always going to be this different evolving Maybe you're, a, you're a, a, a struggling NFL coach and you go to the bar for a, a quiet birthday celebration and send them, someone ends up dancing on your lap. So let me turn this into a very macabre conversation <laughs> for you, Jake. You don't even like my Urban Meyer joke? No, not particularly. I laughed. It was good. Thank Is it going to move the needle Thank when you, you die? For, what? <laughs> for people you don't know? What? So my brother and I, like when a celebrity dies, we'll text each other. Like just as like a running thing we've had forever. I know people do celebrity death pools. That's gross. That's pretty dark. But like Sidney Portier died today. Peter Bogdanovich died was yesterday or two days ago. So like we will text and be like, hey, did you see this person died? Sidney Portier died today. 
Betty so, White last week. Yeah, exactly. It's like a it, it moves the needle. Do you think anyone's going to send a text? Someone you don't know will send a text to anyone else about your death when you die. No. Then that might be a good measure of whether you're a celebrity or not. I don't think my family is going to do that. <laughs> the kids didn't care. No. The daughters didn't care that Jake's dead. No. I, I don't think that. Do you Man, I like Jake, my, who was on the radio for a long time. Nope. He's gone now. You don't think that tweet will be – I've been on the same on broadcast as Ron Boone for yeah, eight years correct. now? Seven years now? Correct. Not a chance Booner could pick me out of a lineup. Uh, zero. Zero percent chance. You're 100 percent right about that. Correct. <laughs> he would I'm, ask if he met you at like a golf tournament or something, but he would not know that you were who you are. I'm forgettable. I, agree I Growing up, my, my buddy John, dear friend – Dear high school friend, hook out with him often. His mom never remembered me, ever. I would have to reintroduce myself to her every single time I met her until it became a joke because his, like, nine-year-old sister was like, Mom, that's Jake. You see him, like, twice a week. You and I have this advantage, though, that it used to drive Kevin Graham crazy when I started at the old station, my first station. Uh, We would go out, me... Kevin and Kyle Gunther. We'd just like go and do like team stuff. Will Smith would go to whatever. We had this whole group. We would go out and they would check our IDs if we were going to a bar or something, a restaurant, and they would say, okay, this is this and this and this. And then everyone would see Kyle Gunther's name. And because Kyle Gunther is such a more unique name than Ben Anderson, Will Smith, and Kevin Graham, they would always recognize Gunther. They would always recognize his name, and it would drive Kevin crazy that Gunther had some level of celebrity that people recognized his name, and nobody would ever recognize Kevin's name. It always bothered him. <laughs> He's always mad he wasn't a bigger celebrity. See, that's fine with me. I don't want anybody oh, with recognizing you. my – Never be recognized. No. Never be recognized. It, it's likely always What's in your advantage? worst moment. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> How often do you actually want to be seen doing what you're doing? Never. I told you about my Zoom incident. <laughs> yeah. I was at my own house and I was embarrassed that I got seen eating tortilla soup. I didn't want to be seen or recognized there. <laughs> there were people I know. No. I didn't want people to recognize me. See, I feel bad for the people that don't have a choice. Oh, like, awful. Like our guy Hans. Correct. Doesn't have a choice because Correct. he's the size of a house and he's Hans. JJ. Yeah, I traveled Jeremiah. with Jeremiah Jensen. You get on a plane. You wa- walk down the aisle with Jeremiah Jensen. KSL! Sports me! It's Jeremiah! You get it all the time. DJ, I'm sure, deals yeah. with it all the time, too. Yeah. A lot of whispers. A lot of whispers. David, news. The guy's on the news. <laughs> Sports guy. <laughs> That's Miracle Megan. From the Jake and Ben Show. Ten to noon. Oh, man. Oh, thank you, Steven. On Twitter, just notice this. Steven tweeting and says, I'll shoot a text to my buds when you pass. <laughs> Thanks, Steven. Shout out to you, buddy. <laughs> I got somebody, Ben. Yeah. Bam. You're a celebrity. You've made it. You're like Kanye. Wow. More of this next. 97.5 and 1280 12, The Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.